Good evening, everyone. Um, so tonight, Larry actually gave me permission to speak about whatever I wanted to, and um, it's kind of like a big responsibility, right? Because there's so many different things that I could say, and so many things, I, different things I want to say, but um, I really spent this week trying to work out what does God want to say to us, and um, again and again, kind of came back to all these different things, but um, this big quote kind of stood out to me, and I really want to share it with you before we get into anything else. Um, actually, as I forgot to say, um, the slides aren't working, but I messaged you guys all on the ECC page, um, all the slides in order. So if you want to take a second, get out your phone, I won't be offended, go on Facebook, <laughs> have a look on the ECC page and look for the slides there and just go to the first one there and there's a, a quote to start us off with. But if you don't want to do that, I'll read everything to you guys anyway. So um, just if slides help you keep track of how we're doing. Here's the quote. How would you want a person on the other side of the world to live if you were on a road leading to an eternal hell and no one had ever told you you could go to heaven? Answer that question and then live accordingly. It's a quote by David Platt and I read it earlier this week and it like was really provocative and kind of really got me thinking, right? How would you want someone else to live if they were on the other side of the world and they believed that you were on the road to an eternal hell and they knew that something that they could share with you would be good news that would be able to lead you to heaven. How would you want that person to live? Because we know in this space that it's not just people on the other side of the world that are on a pathway to hell, but people in our houses, people at our workspaces, people in our lives are on that road. It's a big question, right? It's hard, and it actually gets me thinking more broadly about what is my purpose in this world? What am I doing? Am I living a life that is intentional? Am I living a life that is the, the purpose that God actually designed me for? So it kind of brought me to these two big questions, right? And they're also on the slide there. Here's the questions. Number one, can you clarify and articulate the purpose of your life? If I asked you what was the purpose of your life, could you give me an answer? A clear, simple answer. Could you do it? And the second question is, how do you live day by day, again and again, in that purpose? Because it's one thing to know what our purpose is, but I think we all know, each other, know ourselves. We are so fickle. We get so distracted by things. Uh, over the last few years, I've spent a lot of my time, and it's one of the best parts of my job, is just sitting down with people and having conversations hearing about how people are doing and where they're at and what's going on in their worlds. And again and again and again, the theme that comes up is people feel like their lives are purposeless or that it's distracted by things. I wonder if you can relate to this because it is so my experience as well. I hate that feeling like I'm walking through life doing all kinds of things, but does any of it matter? Is, is any of it really meaningful? Does any of it really do anything significant? I also hate how fickle I am. Like I said, I can say these things and I can know my purpose, but I get distracted so quickly. And here's the good news that I really want to share with you throughout this sermon tonight. God, God knows us. God knows this predicament that we find ourselves in, that we, we often get into this purposeless space or we get distracted. And he actually wants us to be free of it. He wants us to live purposeful, meaningful lives. He wants us to be engaged with his design for our lives. I've been working kind of hard on, on boiling all this down, all this sermon into kind of one simple sentence, and here it is for you. I believe that we are designed to be disciples in community. It's again on your slide there. We're designed to be disciples in community. It's so easy to say that sentence and kind of academically or theoretically know that it's true, but 
Do you feel the weight of it? Do you know what that actually means for your life? Do you know that you are designed to be a disciple in community? So that's what we're going to explore tonight. And uh, especially tonight, I feel like I could say a million things and speak for two hours, but I'm just going to skim over stuff and address things as quickly as we can in the 20-minute segment that we have. And my hope and prayer for this is that something will stick out to you and something will impress on you that you want to chase. So let me just pray as before we get into it all and um, pray that God's spirit moves in this place tonight. God, I really simply want to invite you into this space. Through the words that I've prepared or through whatever it is, I ask that your Holy Spirit will, will touch our hearts right now. Meet with us as we stop and think about these things. Speak to our hearts. Amen. Cool. So if you like knowing where we're going, uh, essentially all we're going to be looking at in the sermon is we're going to be looking at those two big questions that I asked just before. Let me say them again. Can you clearly articulate the purpose for your life? And the second one is how do you live day by day in that purpose? And in order to answer those two questions, we're going to look at those three points. That's a little bit complicated. There's three points of we're designed, we're disciples, and that we're in community. Cool. I hope that makes sense. And the first thing I want to ask you guys is, do you feel like it matters if your life has purpose? Does that question matter to you? Do you want your life to have purpose? Because the big question of why are we here, what are we doing in this world, it completely hinges on God. I was thinking about this, and as atheists, as people who don't believe in God, they actually don't believe that they were created or designed for any reason. They literally believe that all of us here are just atoms bouncing around as a sack of molecules all put together, that there's literally no purpose of you being here. It's just chance. But as Christians, we actually believe that there was a creator. We believe that we were designed. If you stop and think about that for a second, that's significant, right? Because if, if as a carpenter, I was trying to think, I almost said lumberjack, as a carpenter, if, if you have bits of wood and you're randomly sticking them together, you're going to make a pile of junk that has no purpose, right? But if you know what you're doing and you carefully design them, putting them together bit by bit, trying to make a chair, and you make a chair, that chair has a purpose. That chair is designed for sitting on. It, it has a meaning. Each and every one of you here tonight, maybe this is the only thing you need to hear in this sermon, God designed you purposefully. Think about that for a second. I think that is amazing. God took the time to design you intentionally, purposefully. God has meaning for your life. But we were also designed to fit the way the thing we were also designed to fit his design. We're also created to fit his design. The purposes that he made for us. We all know that a chair doesn't make a very good bed and that a car, when you put water in it, doesn't work very well. Our purpose is best fulfilled when we actually follow the design that God's given us. And this is the purpose of the sermon, right? I want to talk about the design and how to stay in it. Because I believe really strongly that Jesus gives us our design, really clearly. This kind of moves us on to our second point, and maybe you want to move the next slide over. Jesus gives us our design in the one verse of the reading that we have tonight. I wanted to give you literally one verse so that you could memorize it. It's one verse, it's short, it's punchy. You guys can memorize it. Let me give you a little bit of context, though. Jesus is at the very start of his public ministry in, in Matthew 4. 
verse 17, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. And he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In your Bible translation, it maybe has a big title here that says, Jesus calls his first disciples. It continues in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Hopefully better fishermen than the collar Verse 19, and this is our verse for the night. This is the one that matters. Verse 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. I want you to remember that verse. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a disciple of his, this is your life's purpose. This is what Jesus calls you to do. To come, to follow me, and to be sent out to fish for people. There's three things here. There's come, be with Jesus. It's, it's an invitation to intimacy with him. Come and be with me. The second one is follow me. It, it's an invitation, again, to replicate my style of life, to look like Jesus. And the third one is to go and be sent on mission. Come, follow, and then go. And while this maybe feels really simple, I think like a lot of things in the Bible, simple things are often the most profound, the most deep. And I, again, want to say that I'm going to fly through each of these three categories, but I just want to expand them really quick for us. And I want to say that the first thing is that come, that first word is primarily, the, the life of a Christian is designed as an invitation to intimacy with God. When we look back to Eden, at the very beginning of creation, that's what life was like. God created man and was in community with him. Maybe you've heard this a hundred times, but hear it again, and because maybe our lives are missing this. The gospel, the big story of the Bible is all about connection with God. At the beginning, we were connected, sin enters the world and becomes this barrier against God. Jesus comes into the world to break down that barrier of sin so that we can be connected with him again. That is the gospel. That is the big story because God wants you to come. Again and again throughout the Old Testament, we see Israel enjoying God, united with him, then go turn distracted by something else, forget about God, and then again, again and again and again, God sends prophets as an invitation back to him. Come back and be my people. And I wonder, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever realized that the first part of your life calling is simply the invitation to come, to enjoy God, to be with him? Because this one is so important, because if we don't do this one, the other ones don't happen. This is where it starts. You were made to enjoy God daily. Cool, so number one, and I want to talk about some really practical ways that we can do that in a second, but um, we'll go through the other two points first. Number two, he says, follow me. Uh, on your slides there, there's like a list of six Bible verses, I think, or six little sections of Bible verses that each kind of contain this idea of what it looks like to follow Jesus. This call again and again to imitate him. I'll just read some of them to you. Philippians 2, 3 to 8 says, have the attitude of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we are being transformed into Jesus' image. John 13 says, for I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. 
John 13 again, love one another even as I have loved you. 1 Corinthians 11, be imitators of me as I am also of Christ. And then Colossians, that last one, forgive as Christ has forgiven. These are just a small collection of this repeated theme again and again and again that you are called to follow Jesus' example, to become more like him. But again, the key here is that this comes out of the coming to him in the first place. This comes out of the being with him, enjoying him. Oh, Lance, do you have my glasses? I'm so sorry I forgot them and Alana just got here. Sorry, everyone, this is a little bit awkward, but I really need them. I'm a little bit blind. Thank you. You can kind of see us standing up there, unsure to run down or not. Thank you. The key here for the follow me is that it comes out of the come and be with me. If we're not coming and being with Jesus, there's no desire to replicate him, no desire to imitate him. But I want to ask the question, who are you following? When when you stop and sincerely think about it, who are you following? Who are you becoming more like? I know I spend so much of my day kind of just, I wake up and just start doing things. Whatever kind of comes into my face, that's, that's the thing that occupies my attention. I love that verse um, Guy read out just before because it talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus. How much of the time do we even remember to fix our eyes on Jesus? I wonder if you have a plan or a strategy for how in your life you're imitating Jesus, becoming more like him, replicating him, looking at his character and developing yourself to be more like Jesus. And again, this thing at the end that's coming is going to help us with these first two things, but... The last one before we get into that, number three, I will send you out to fish for people. Really simply, we're called to come, to become, and then go. And this is that David Platt quote all over again, right? If there was someone on the other side of the world that believed you were going to an eternal hell, how would you want them to act? Would you want them to come here and share the good news with you? The biggest thing that I maybe misunderstood it early on in my Christian walk was that this missions bit was the beginning and the end to what it meant to be a disciple. That all of it was just about going. And it's almost right because there is a really important part of going, but we first need to come and we need to become. Because we need to enjoy God. We need to be excited about who he is. We need to be like Jesus. And then we go on mission. Mission only really happens when it's in conjunction with the three. It's an overflow. So I know that this is all a really quick summary of those three points, but um, I just find this framework so helpful. I find this to be a really helpful thing in the morning to just think through. My purpose today is to come, to become, and then to go. I wonder if that actually helps you answer that first question. The first big question of, can you clearly articulate the purpose of your life? But here's my challenge. I know that I can talk the talk. I can say that. I can, in a moment of clarity, I can say that's my purpose. But again and again for me, how do I stay focused on it? How do I live my life that that is actually the thing that's in front of my eyes? As I've been kind of meeting up with people and talking about this kind of stuff, uh, the big question that keeps coming up again and again is uh, what kicks us out of focus and then what kicks us back into focus? Maybe you can already think of some things in your head. I know things for me that kick me out of focus 
are all kinds of distractions. And they're always going to be in our lives. We're always going to have distractions. And some of them we can minimize and some of them we can't. But the other big question is, how do we kick back into focus? And for me, it's almost just the question, are you focused, that kicks me back into focus. Can you relate to that? That you've had someone come into your life and, and just ask you a really simple question and that's helped you realize, oh wait, I haven't been focused. One of the biggest, most important parts of this staying in focus is community, each other. I love this theme of better together that we've been going throughout this year because really simply we're better together. Really simply we need each other to be able to stay in focus together. I loved having those uh, interviews that we had a little while ago. You guys remember the AM and PM kind of crossover interviews where we'd get someone from the AM service to come and share a little bit of their life and so we could get to know them. And I'm actually really excited to bring a little bit of that back and we're going to do a little bit of that tonight, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. For the next little while, maybe the next few weeks, I'm not exactly sure how long this is going to last for, we're going to get, or I'm going to get, different people to come up with here and share with you little ways that they connect with God, how they calm, how they follow, and how that empowers them to be sent. Specifically, we're going to be looking at like spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that just engage with people that work for people, that actually empower them to do these things, to maintain their focus. Because we need to be encouraged by each other, right? We need to be helping each other to see how we can be focused. But before I actually get this first person up, and it's actually Wendy, so thanks, Wendy. Before I get Wendy up to share with us, I have another little challenge for us. Um, I've had this book kind of sitting in one of my little browser tabs for ages and I've been kind of waiting for a good time to share this idea with you but essentially the come follow me and I will send you to be fishers of men is not a passive thing. It's a call to action, right? It's not just head knowledge. It's not just something that's like, oh yeah, that's helpful. It's actually more than that. It's a call to do something. I wanted to, people to share their experience with spiritual disciplines because spiritual disciplines help us do these things. Spiritual disciplines help us to connect with God, to become more like Christ, to transform us and to equip us for mission. So this book that I've had, um, I stumbled across, it's on your slide again if you want to keep sliding. It's um, on your slides, keep flicking, jeez. This book's called Practicing God's Presence, and it's by Kenneth Boer and Jenny Abel, and there's a picture of the front cover of the book in there, and it's actually a free PDF. And the book's actually a free companion guide to a different book, but that's not the point. This book is all about this 52-week journey of experimenting with spiritual disciplines. That sounds like a big thing, right? That's 52-week journey is a big commitment. It's a whole year. And each week has two different spiritual disciplines, so that's obviously 104 disciplines that you would explore throughout a year process. And uh, on your slides, there's another picture of them. I'm just going to grab one here so I can read it out to you. Here's just an example of what they actually look like. The first one is called, if I can do this, the first one is called Four Areas of Gratitude. And let me just read out what this activity is. The first activity says, Four Areas of Gratitude. Getting our eyes off ourselves onto God is one way that God can turn the difficulties of our life into a redemptive tool. To cultivate a sense of gratitude for the goodness of life and the tender mercies of God that you tend to overlook by thinking about something you're grateful for in each of the... Oh, sorry. It says... uh, In each of the four categories. I hope you're reading it as well. Thank God for each of these things daily. 
And literally the activity is record what you're grateful for in each of the following categories. The first one is the glory of God's creation, a material blessing, a relational blessing, and a spiritual blessing. That's the first activity. I reckon that would take you two minutes, right? Just stop. Slowly, slow down and think about what are these four things that I'm grateful for? To actually get off ourselves, to stop thinking about all the things that suck in our lives and to be grateful for something. And just as it says, it's an opportunity for God to actually transform it, to be a redemptive tool in your life. I I included slides of two other things in there and there are heaps of lots of different things in there. These two other activities, one of them is like a three by five card. So you literally put a Bible verse on a piece of paper and put it somewhere that you're going to see it. So throughout your day, you're going to see this card every now and again, and maybe that Bible verse will speak to you on that day. Another activity is called here, cultivate a seeing eye. And literally all it is, is look around you in nature and appreciate the wonder of God's creation. Because in Psalm 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. If that's true, then we should be able to look around and enjoy God's creation and marvel at him. And maybe you know that this is coming, but I really want to invite you on a journey of going on this 52 weeks of looking and practicing spiritual disciplines together. Maybe you're going to miss a week, and that's fine. As a community, we will encourage each other to get back on track. I seriously believe that spending five minutes a day, two minutes a day, whatever it is, doing all these weird different activities, something that you're going to love and something that you're going to find weird, will actually bless your spiritual journey. I'm willing to create a Facebook group and chase you guys about this. I'll send the activities to you every week. I'll email them to you, whatever it is. But my hope and prayer is that together we'll encourage each other. Have a conversation with someone else and say, hey, how's that going for you? Are you finding it good? Are you finding it bad? Is it interesting? Is it whatever it is? Because genuinely, I believe that slowing down and spending time with God, with activities that are already given to you, could be really awesome. And if you're interested but not really sure what this looks like, I would love to give you the PDF. Come have a chat with me afterwards. But essentially what I'm saying is I would love to write a list of people that are all doing this together and do it together. So if you're interested in this, come have a chat with me after the service or send me a Facebook message or whatever it is. But if you're serious about your life journey of being a disciple as coming, following, and being sent, I I seriously believe that this will be really helpful. I'll stop kind of going on about this and um, invite Wendy up to share her spiritual disciplines with us. Thanks, Wendy. Give her a warm welcome. So, Wendy, what spiritual disciplines do you do? (laughs) Um, There's quite a few, actually. Um, I guess over the years that I've sort of um, tried, some have been harder than others. And I think the thing with spiritual disciplines... And I think this can, that can be in itself a quite a scary thing for people. I think just the word discipline can have really negative connotations for people. But actually, essentially, all it is is activities that um, help you to grow deeper in relationship with God um, so that your life can bear fruit um, and that you can grow to maturity spiritually or on the way. It's a journey. You're never going to get there. But, um, yeah, there's lots of, lots of things, really. Um, but you... Okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's... Um, obviously, meditating on God's word is a basic one. And 
I guess with that, there's like loads of ways to do that. And we all have different learning styles and we all have different ways of um, engaging with that. But, you know, sometimes people just love to read the Bible and that's great. But other people really struggle with that. And there's so many ways out there that you can actually practice um, that spiritual discipline. And it's exciting. And it's not just ticking a box and then leaving the house. It's actually really engaging with God's word because we're told to plant the word of God in our heart. So um, I think the thing with spiritual disciplines is that they are all taught and they're all modelled in the Bible. And so it, you don't have to look very hard to find the reason why you want to do these things. Um, prayer, of course. Again, people struggle sometimes to pray. But again, there's so many ways that you can make that maybe more accessible for you. Um, one of the things that I probably started doing maybe about 10, 15 years ago is fasting, which I think was the one you wanted me to talk about. <laughs> um, and again, fasting sort of has a bit of a, oh, that sounds a bit too hard or that sounds a bit weird. Um, and especially when you think about fasting can be very religious, like there's a lot of other religions that um, practice fasting. So um, for me, I just go to the scripture in Matthew 6 that, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, when you fast, not if you fast, Um, and then a whole load of things that you should do, which basically mean keep it a secret, don't look like you're fasting, um, so that it doesn't become this religious act, because the Pharisees fasted and they made a big song and dance about it. Fasting in itself um, doesn't really achieve very much apart from a hungry belly and you might lose some weight. Um, but fasting in and through the power of the Holy Spirit actually draws you closer to God. And in my experience, when I fast, I find that it brings me to a place where my senses are sharper. I can hear God's voice clearer. Um, I realize that my hungry belly, um, I don't need to rush and fill it. Um, I often use that as a prompt to pray. And I, I've, I've fasted for um, specific reasons. And I've also fasted just as a regular rhythm. Um, and I think what it does um, is it's almost as though your human need gets laid aside and it gives you that freedom to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Um, like you were saying, you know, there's so many distractions and one of them for us can be food. And I'd love to encourage you to have a go. Um, there's lots of books on it if you are that kind of person. But um, And I think, like I say, it's not a magical formula. It's about relationship with God and it's actually saying, I'm going to deny that bit of my human if you like, um, and trust and trust God. And I can honestly say that the hunger pangs, they are pangs and they don't last. So they're very loud. Like they say, feed me, feed me. But if you just pray, that should go away a bit. And then you don't, you're not hungry for another hour or more. <laughs> so um, yeah, like I say, it's not a magical formula by any means. And it's not something reserved for people who are super Christians or something like that. It's just another way um, to deepen your relationship with God. And I think fasting as well, particularly, as I said, it's not something on its own. It's fasting and prayer, fasting and meditating on scripture. So yeah. Anything else?
you mind if I just pray for you? Yeah, thank you. Um, do you mind if I also invite people to come and talk to you? If you have more questions, please come and chat to Wendy about it. She's really nice. Um, one of the things that with spiritual disciplines is accountability. And, you know, when you're on your own, that can be really hard. So that would be a great reason to seek out a mentor. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure Ben would love to talk to you about that, and so would I. So um, there, there you go. Yeah, there was a bit of a conversation whether we talk about mentoring or, you know, or whatever. So we snuck both in. Good job. Let me just pray for you. Uh, God, I just want to thank you so much for the work you're doing in Wendy's life, for how you meet her through fasting and the encouragement to us that she can be. Um, I really just want to um, pray a blessing over her in the space of spiritual, spiritual disciplines, that she can be someone who encourages all of us, but also that you'll continue to meet with her deeply in that way. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. So I just want to leave you guys with one last thought. And all of this is an invitation. I really don't want you guys to feel guilty about we are now all doing this together and you have to do it, otherwise you're a bad person. Seriously, this is an invitation. All these spiritual disciplines are here and they're powerful and they're an opportunity for you to connect with God in a way that maybe you've never connected with him before. I really want to invite you in on this journey. And if you want to join, if you don't want to join, that's up to you. But I really think that it will be an exciting thing to do together because maintaining our purpose, maintaining a focus on what actually matters requires community. It requires us working together, helping each other. So if you want to grab a buddy and join up this idea, if you want to do it without me, I won't be upset. Whatever it looks like, awesome. So come have a chat with me afterwards and let me just pray as the band comes up. God, I want to um, thank you that you don't want to leave us purposeless in this world, that you actually designed us for a reason, that um, you actually... You actually have plans that you want to work through us, that you want to enjoy intimacy with us, that you want us to become more like Jesus, and that you actually send us out on a mission. It's actually exciting. Help us to be aware and focused on our purpose as disciples, to encourage each other, to be able to build each other up. And, um, and for those of us that are going on this journey, I really want to pray that you will bless that. Yeah, I really want to ask that your presence will be with us in this space. Amen.